Praise God. Good morning, all. Will you, will you stand with me one moment? I just want to pray in line with what Pastor Richard was saying there. Making room for the supernatural. And I don't want you to wait until Easter family camp. But just lift your hands one more time this morning. And make room for the supernatural increase of God in your life. Give Him space. Remove any obstacle that you become aware of. Father, would you reveal to us the hindrances known and unknown? Would you grace us with the ability to make room for you? And we begin our preparation right here, right now, this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Take a grip of us, Lord. Take us indeed to the next level, to higher levels in you. Rise our expectations. We recommit, we rededicate ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pat, could you be with us? Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Ma ma making room for the supernatural is our theme. And every now and again, I ask people, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, put your hand up. And some people don't put their hand up, whatever. And then you ask them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they say, I don't know. And I say, well, that probably means you haven't. Because being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, for me, one of the most outrageous experiences of my entire life. I, I've been filled with the Spirit several times. But, I, I mean, thinking back, I don't know if anything changed me or altered me more than that experience. I mean, have you ever been electrocuted? You touch something and it's like, shoot! right? Well, multiply just the overwhelming gajush of God. That's supernatural. That's supernatural, okay? And when you've experienced something like that, the first time for me was years ago, not long after I was saved, about six months after I was saved, I was making room for God. I had repented of every sin. You know your sin. You don't need me to tell you. I turned from every sin I could possibly think of. I was just desperate for more of God. Day after day, fasting and praying. And then one day in the church on a Sunday evening, I sat there and I thought I'd been away on a mountain for 20 odd days on my own. And I came back. Can you help me with it, child? Pat, please. Thank you. I was on my own uh, on a mountain for many days. And then when I came back, I sat in the church, listen to this, please. As I sat in that church, it's like the heavens opened. And the supernatural broke through into my life and filled me with the Holy Spirit. I may add that I got a lot of attack from the church because <laughs> people didn't have a clue what was happening. And from that time, once you know how to receive, I've been refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled. But it really concerns me whether some of you, apart from salvation, have ever really encountered the supernatural power of God. Because it is a life-changing experience. I grew up as a Catholic, and for me, to be a priest was like the big thing. We've got a priest coming to our house, you know? And my mother would clean everything up, and we'd all stand, all nine of us, you know? Father, whatever is coming. And it was, good morning, Father. Yes, Father. No, Father. 
and this really important person was coming. Uh, and that's, to be honest, such a travesty of human history. Today's message is entitled, The Priesthood of All Believers. Are there any priests here this morning? Good morning, Father. Are there any priests here this morning? Amen. The Bible says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. I want you to understand something. I hope you leave this place with this knowledge. That once we're born again, God calls us a priest. He recognizes us as a priest. But the critical part of the priestly role was to bring in the fire. The Pentecostal fire. That was the function of the priesthood. To bring about, to create the circumstances where fire would fall. So your very salvation is intended by God to make you a minister who receives fire. Who receives fire down from heaven. It should be a norm, right? It should be a common occurrence. However, there's a huge amount of confusion. When I go for, well, not so much now, but years ago, when I would go for car insurance, for example, say 15, 20 years ago, I would go into an insurance broker and they would say, what do you do? And I would say, I'm a pastor. And they would say, oh, I see, like a nun. I would say, well, no, not quite, not quite a nun, no. Like a bishop. Well, sort of, sort of. Is it a rabbi? I say, no, 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 not, not, not really. Is it a recluse? Is it a monk? And you can see person after person working through every concept in their mind that they have. And it's, to be honest, it was very frustrating. Look at the top of your notes here. Paul gives a list of the things that we are and the things that we're not. And God is appointed for his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God is appointed in the church. First of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healings. Then helps. Then administrations. Various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? No. All are not teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not, obviously there was a problem here. All do not uh, speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the other gifts. And Paul here is making a really important point. Eyes forward. When I got saved, I was confused about what I was. Am I a prophet? Am I a nun? No, just joking. Am I, what am I? Am I a pastor? Am I a prophet? Am I a, a healer? Am I a worker of miracles? What am I? And I thank God Almighty at a very early stage of my walk, I had a word from the Lord. And that word set me free because he told me what I was. And since then, I meet many people who still don't know who they are. They're confused. And that confusion, friend, is a great disability. That's what Paul is trying to fix. He's speaking to people who maybe someone told you you're, you're a, a healer and you're not. Maybe someone told you you're there and you're not. And Paul's trying to get people in the right lane. He's trying to get them to be the person that God's made them to be. Hello. Amen. Because therein lies your freedom. Therein lies your success in the kingdom. And I make that point because of this. I am not everything, okay? I am what God has made me. However, the scripture goes on to say, secondly, we are all 
Grace. Exactly. That's my point. So there are many things that I can put aside and not hold myself accountable for. But the one thing that I can say to every person who is a born-again believer is that God sees you as a priest, has appointed you to be a priest, but understanding what that means and the significance of it for Pentecostal power, to be honest, is quite elusive. This great God who sought simply to have a relationship with man. When someone has a relationship with God, they're worshiping, they're praying. That's called priestly behavior. And God created Adam to be, if you like, a priest unto him. Did he succeed? No, Adam fell. So he lost his priestly ministry. So, you know the story. God called Noah and rescued Noah, actually built the ark and took him out. And God tried again to create a priesthood through Noah. Did that succeed? No. It was terrible. It was a terrible outcome. So then God spoke to Abraham and he said, come out, remember? Come out of society, separate yourself. And he had another go with Abraham to form those who would worship and pray. Did that work? No. So then God appointed Jacob and changed his name, right, to Israel. He had 12 tribes. And those 12, all 12 tribes had the ministry of prayer and worship. Did that succeed? No. So then God took it off 11 tribes and he gave it to the Levites. And he's trying again and again and again to, to let people function as priests on the earth in worship and in prayer. Receiving the fire. Who will receive the fire? So again and again and again and again and again it failed. With the Levites, it stopped. And we had 400 years of silence. And then Jesus came as prophet, priest, and king. And a new era had begun. And now all of those who are born again are also priests. So you can see that this was a critical path to God, that there was no negotiation, if you like, with God. He intends you to know that you're called to be a priest. And if I don't understand this, I have received fire. Hallelujah. And that's part of, my, that's part of your role too. So if you have not received that fire in your life, I ask you to think about this board here. God is determined to get fire into your bones. Amen? The fire of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal. Powerful Pentecostals. The whole of the Old, te Old Testament tabernacle, if you remember this, this whole structure speaks really of our walk with God. The brazen altar where we lay down our lives. The, the, the laver where we were symbolic of baptism, where we wash the holy place and the holy of holies. I was just sharing with someone outside, a minister. What is a minister? What is a minister? A minister is someone who goes to God, gets something, and brings it back and gives it like a waiter, right? And we are ministers of the Most High God. And the intention is that we go in here and we come back out into the world with something. Only once in my entire life have I had to run out of a building, my own building, in Glasgow. We had five days and nights of prayer, 24 hours a day. It was an incredibly difficult thing to organize. Six universities, I think, joined us. 
the students' unions. And I was coordinating the whole thing. And I think it was a Wednesday, a Wednesday afternoon I came in. And there were five Chinese students on the platform worshipping. And I came in and I was fine. There was only one other person in the room, a member, and these students worshipping. And as I sat there, I tell you what, the presence of God and the fire of God was so strong at a certain point. I just got out of the room and I went outside. And I stood, I remember, I stood like those swing doors, same thing. I stood, And I honestly, if I stay in there, I'm dead, buddy. I'm dead. And within a few minutes, the other girl, Ruth Blair, who was in there, she came out and she stood outside. I thought, oh, you as well. And she said, can you feel the power? And I said, yeah. But I was also aware that whoever those students are, they're sanctified at such a level that they can stay in there. Obviously, I'm not. Just telling the truth. Obviously, I'm not. Because I don't feel comfortable. I feel like I'm going to be, you know, spontaneous combustion. I feel like God's just going to strike. It's terrifying. Do you know what it says about the early church? The early priests? They met in Solomon's colonnade. And no one dared. Nobody dared go anywhere near them. Why? Because such was the presence and the power of God. And that's what this means. They had to tie a rope around the high priest. Right? And once a year, he would miraculously pass through the veil. And if he died, they would have to pull him out. Right? You get the idea what a priest is. Priest is a powerful position. It's a powerful role on the face of the earth. And yet, I, I honestly don't believe, I believe the Catholic Church, this is not a pot shot against them, but I believe in some ways those traditions have confused many confuse many. My brother's a priest, Catholic priest. Now, don't let it confuse you. Don't let it confuse you. But realize as a believer that you've been given a role, you've been given something to do, and Christ is your forerunner. I'll read it to you. Second scripture on your page. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we, that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but one we have who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive grace in our time of need. What I've given you there on your notes, if you look under point one, if I'm going to be the priest that God has made me to be, here I am, I'm born again. My function is that of a priestly nature. How does that work? What does that look like? Well, number one, the nature of a priest and the nature that you yourself could develop, should develop. Firstly, a praying heart. What is a praying heart? That's definitely the nature of a priest. Eyes forward. It's not words. Our Father, who art in heaven, that's how I grew up. <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Yeah? And we used to just say it over and over again. And you can repeat prayers that you've been praying for 20 years because you've got them in your head. A praying heart is not, Jesus warned about this. Don't, don't babble. Do you know what a praying heart is? It's what's inside much more than what's outside. That's what it is. A praying heart is a heart that's humble and knows its full necessity of God. 
That's what a praying heart is. And there are praying cultures. If you travel, I travel a lot. You go to different churches and you see different cultures. But in the midst of those cultures, you'll always find someone who's praying. A prayer, a true prayer. I repeat, prayer comes from the heart. And some of you guys, okay, you pray. and I, I know you do. I really enjoyed our, our 10, 12 days there. That was excellent. Very good. What I always say is this. If prayer doesn't work, don't waste your time with it. Right? If prayer doesn't work, you would be crazy to come on Tuesday, come on Wednesday. You're just wasting your time. But if prayer does work, you're crazy if you don't come. Right? Because you're missing the avenue to God. No matter what God says in Scripture, He says, ask of me and I'll give it to you. Ask. So no matter what it is, all these promises that we believe for, etc., etc., the asking part still remains. But I, I, my father was a very good man, a praying man. He definitely had access to God. He definitely had a priestly nature. Let me read this to you. This is about a man in Scripture called uh, Cornelius. An angel appeared to him one day. Listen to this. An angel appeared to this man and said this. Your prayers and your alms, your giving, have come up before God as a memorial offering, as a sacrifice. And then he gave him a task to do, a job to do. Can you imagine that? An individual, a human being, just like you or like me, the prayers that they had prayed have appeared before the throne of God. Hallelujah. Amen. A praying heart. A praying heart is a humble heart. It's a disposition more than anything else. The nature of a priest. Secondly, it's a patient heart. We just read there how Jesus has the ability to be empathetic with you and with me because he has been tempted in every way just as we have been. A patient heart. I find that, to be honest with you, <laughs> Christians can be very impatient. I was not born patient, I can tell you. Neither was you. Eh? Patience is not something you're born with. It's something you adopt. It's a discipline that you work your way into. I used to let myself off the hook with, with, with Jeanette because she was incredibly patient. And I used to say, well, she's patient and I'm not. No. She learned patience. Right? She went out and worked for it. She got it. Right? And I need to do exactly the same thing. I need to be patient with myself and, of course, with others. The nature of, pre of the priest, a praying heart, a patient heart, and a compassionate heart. I, I, I stagger in the world at the moment with ISIS. Have you seen ISIS? ISIS are probably the most unhuman bunch I have ever witnessed. Aren't they just... I mean, you could, could, yes, they are human beings, I suppose. But when you look at some of the stuff that's actually happening here, compassion, no. Void of humanity, isn't it? So far from the reality. That's the devil's kingdom. And we're intended to exemplify the opposite. Am I compassionate? Am I compassionate? I mean, how is that seen in my life? And what type of compassion is coming out of me? You know the, these loves. You hear so much about this, the four types of love. Philia love, which is friendship love. Storage, which is uh, your family. 
eros, which is erotic. But the agape love is the love of God. The expression of the love of God coming through me. How much making room for the supernatural? How much agape love, compassionate love, is flowing through me? How much room have I made for this? I was driving to church years ago. Uh, we were coming through central Dublin, and I turned a corner with Jeanette. We were just about two minutes away from our church. My mind was on sound, lights, key. You know how it is, Sunday morning. My mind is a million miles away. I turned the corner, and as I turned the corner, there's a homeless guy sitting on the ground. I tell you, my heart was absolutely flooded with love for that man. I was overwhelmed with it. I couldn't even speak to her. I dropped her at the church. I didn't say a thing. I said, just stay here. I'll be back. I drove back up, and I went over to the man, and I sat beside him. And I said, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to church. I think he was going to die. But I'll, ne I'll never forget that. You see, I can look at that man with empathy or human sympathy. But my, oh, my. See this thing here? Oosh. Reinhard Bonnke's changed the world. And Bonnke said, this is the problem, if you read his book. He said that Christians are not full of the compassion of God. It's just human feelings. But they're not making room for him to come through. Are you with me? And I'm sure you have had a moment in your born-again life when you've looked at someone or you've been in a situation where the divine love of God, the compassion of God flows through you. And may God grant us this year of supernatural increase that we would make room for that. I have to say, this is not pleasant. It's not nice. It's nice and it's not nice. It's painful to suffer with someone else's pain. Uh, but I pray this year that we open our spirit, open our, get our soul out of the way, and let the compassion of God, the agape love of God, flow through us. I'm a priest. I'm born again. That makes me a priest. That makes me someone who's been appointed to go into the presence of God, receive fire, and bring it back to humanity. Amen? Amen. You are a priest. Your fundamental role, your basic role. Don't get confused with all the giftings yet. Don't get tied up with all that. Come back to a much more fundamental thing, a much more basic thing, and find yourself in his presence. The nature of a priest, a praying heart, a patient heart, and a compassionate heart. And secondly, and this is staggering here, the sacrifices that were just basic requirements from anyone who was a priest, you can read all about it in Leviticus, etc., etc. There were many offerings that they had to bring. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering. And these offerings have New Testament counterparts, modern day counterparts. The burnt offering is that we should become a living sacrifice. Let me show you something here. This is a very interesting point. Look at this. When the priest approached the temple... He had to come in here. He had to lay a sacrifice on this altar, okay? So this is symbolic of you repenting. Listen close. He would come in. He would lay it there. And if God accepted it, what would happen? Hallelujah. Fire would fall. 
fire would fall from heaven down upon and consume the sacrifice. And that was a sign that what you'd just done was acceptable. So it was primary for the priest to wait at that altar. If, if, if the fire doesn't fall, go back out and get another sacrifice. Go back out and get something. They would not have proceeded until the fire fell. Now listen close. Once the fire began to burn, once you've caught fire, if you let the fire go out, there's no second fire. God did not send a second fire. What had to happen is the priests themselves had to go and get wood and they had to light the fire themselves. We sing, light the fire again. Well, what had to happen is they had to deconstruct the whole thing and move on. And then when they reconstructed the temple, the fire could fall again. But whilst it, this was in one state, the fire didn't fall a second time. How symbolic is that? Amen? That as you came to Christ, I hope, maybe your church didn't lead you that way, but you should push in until the consuming fire of God has got a grip of you. Amen? Amen. I was preaching in Singapore in one of our churches, a heartbreaking vision. I had to bring it to them, and I cut them to the core. It cut them, but it was true. It was true. I saw the apostle Peter in a vision, and he was coming up to the fire, and he was, he was warming himself at the fire. And I thought, what does this mean? I'm preaching to this church in the morning. What does it mean that Peter's warming himself? And God spoke to me. This is the church. This is VFC in Singapore, and they're coming to the worship team on Sunday morning. Because they haven't got their own fire. Peter's warming himself on someone else's fire. And that's, oh, I see. So the people are coming to church. Ah, thanks, Angela. Ah, yeah. I'm warming myself on someone else's heat, unaware that my own fire is out, and I'll see you next week. It's pretty cold out there. Amen? But each person should have their own fire. Do you know what the trouble with this is? It needs fuel. Fires need fuel. Ongoing fuel or they will most certainly go out. Paul calls it a living sacrifice, doesn't he? In Romans. And I am required to continuously feed the fire. And if I quit feeding that fire, then that fire will go out in me. And I encourage you this year to take another push. Take another, have another goal at your walk with God and sustain that fire. Amen? Amen? Goodness knows this world is in need of it. The sacrifices, just basic uh, requirements of the priest. To be a living sacrifice. To be someone who does good works. If you remember in the book of Isaiah chapter 58 where he talks about prayer and fasting and he rejects it and he says, what I wanted was a good heart. I wanted you to be kind to the poor, etc., etc." And what is, what is true fasting? It, is the, it was described in the Old Covenant as a meal offering. But basically it's good works. Eyes forward. <laughs> How many good works do you do? How many good works? I don't mean for your family. I don't mean for your own kith and kin. I mean for others. Has the, is that alive in me or has it been shut down? It means that something of the priestly nature... Is not functioning in me. Again, the apostles said that it was one of their passions was to do good. To do good. 
a living sacrifice, someone who does good. And then the peace offering was the willingness to forgive others, instantly walking in forgiveness. Nothing will shut your fire down more quickly than an unforgiving spirit, right? An unforgiving heart. Jesus said it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Offenses are going to come through your family, through your workplaces, through your neighbors, in church. Amen? They're going to come, and you need to have, like me, an ongoing attitude that I will never, ever, ever hold offense. I will never hold offense. We could spend all day on that. If I hold offense, then my own offenses are not forgiven. Very serious point. The peace offering. And then the sin offering, which is symbolic of communion. Now, you know my, my stance on this. I get a lot of criticism for it from people, I believe, who maybe don't understand it. But uh, we don't have communion every day at home, but we have communion nearly every day. That's my practice. Um, that's what they did in the book of Acts. And what that's, the, the symbolism here for me is that I need a constant awareness of my need for the blood of Jesus. And you need a constant awareness of his presence, of that table of the Lord. And my advice to you is, the same, is to behave like the New Testament church. Have communion at home. Amen? Husbands, give your wife communion. Hello? <laughs> Practice it. Practice it. Because you can't argue with someone once. Well, maybe you can. You can't argue with someone after you've done that. You just, it's just not going to be happening. Because you've reminded yourself of that need. And I repeat to you, please listen really carefully. If all you get today is this next statement, then good. Because it can change your life. Pentecost was coming. Powerful Pentecostals. That's what we're going to be. Pentecost was coming. How did Jesus prepare the church for it? Communion. Communion. The Last Supper. So he brought them to... He was getting them ready to receive fire. But he did it first with communion. And what happened in church history is the Catholic Church took the communion, right? And the Pentecostals took the Pentecost part. They separated these two things. Historically, they've been separated. And that's what's destroyed the fire in many. Pentecostals focusing on the power part, but without a full knowledge of their need for the blood of Jesus. And I ask you to bring those two concepts together in your mind and in your heart. And you will, in accordance to these promises, receive power in these last days. Yesterday we were praying. And we were going back over the, some of the end times prophecies. Scripture promises this. That in the last days, the devil will display some of his power, right? That it, some people will be even able to call down fire from heaven and it will appear on the earth. And my point was, when the wizards tried that with Moses, who won that battle? <laughs> Moses, right? God won that battle every day. And I, looking at the news, looking at the world, without a doubt, that battle is on. And the eyes of your God, the eyes of the Lord, roam throughout the whole earth, just looking for someone who will be that priest. And worship team, I would say to you guys, especially those of you who write songs or write music, pay very careful attention to this diagram. <laughs> right? And come back in again, the biblical route, it hasn't changed. And here's where the worship took place. This is the altar of incense, right in here, where worship went up to God. And I pray this year of supernatural increase. Pastor David gave an excellent 
message here on Wednesday night last week, just explaining about the difference between the natural and the supernatural. Gerald, you can leave this place and achieve many things. You're a clever guy, right? You have multiple abilities, but you know what? With one click of his finger, God can do a million times more, right? One little touch, one tiny touch from God. So you can spend your life working your fingers to the bone with your own abilities, and many people do. But my advice to you is take the time out. Seek until you find. And one little encounter will completely change your life. I have never regretted, not for one second, resigning. For, I'm not telling you to resign. Hallelujah. I have never regretted for one second in my workplace when all my friends were like me, social services, all my friends were like me, and I wrote my resignation. I have never forgetted that day. Never. And my boss, Iviona Williams, came in. She had my resignation in her hand. She brought it back and she put it down in front of me. And her words were, you're very vulnerable. And we don't want to receive. I said, you can keep that. <laughs> you can keep that. Because I've got a choice. The way I see my life, I've got a choice. I can do what everybody else does. I can go on the nine to five. I can rely on my own skills. Or I can trust this God. I can actually believe it. And I walked out of my job with no flat, no money, no accommodation, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And my friend Declan said, you can sleep on my floor. He had a little tiny room, but same size as ours. Tiny little box. And there I was. And then some people in the church said, we'll support you for a while. And then the church offered me a little contract for Poland for a few years, three years. And slowly but surely, I entered into the deeper places in God. I have never regretted believing in the supernatural. Thank God for our skills. Thank God for the abilities that you've got. And I'm, I'm, I truly mean that. I thank God for that. But I feel very sorry for you if your life is going to be the product of your abilities. What a sad end. What a sad end. Amen? What a sad end when all of that was available to you. Reinhard Bonnke's father was obsessed with him becoming a doctor. You know that? Again, you can read it in his book. He, he said to his dad one day, I've read about the great evangelists of history. And I'm going to go after God and become an evangelist. And his first, no, you're not. German, right? No, you're not. You're going to be a doctor. He said, no, I'm not. And they argued and they argued and they argued and he had to fight and fight and fight with those who loved him. People who loved him and wanted the best for him, but just not seeing the supernatural. And then he went to Bible college. You know the story. He went to Bridge End Bible College in Wales. Listen to this. He got his qualification. Hallelujah. Very smart guy. But he didn't take that road. He got his qualification and he left Bridge End Bible College and he got a word from the Lord to come to London. Hasn't got a ministry yet. And he gets another word from the Lord to get on a certain bus. And he go upstairs and he sits upstairs on the bus and he's traveling around London and he doesn't know why. 
This is the greatest evangelist of modern times. Millions led to Christ. He's, then God said, get off the bus. So he gets off the bus. Walk down the street. He walks down the street. Turn left, turn left. Getting into the spirit now, aren't we? Getting into the spirit, the supernatural. He can go and start a church with his own skills, can't he? Chooses not to. Turn left, turn right, turn left. Stop. So he stops. What? Nothing, just stop. And he turns his head, and there's a little plaque outside the house. Richard Roberts. The, 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 the famous evangelist. His hero. And Bonky thinks, he's dead. He's dead. He died years ago. This can't be the sin, Roberts. It, it, no, couldn't be. So he goes up to the door, and, and a woman answers the door and says, yes. I said, excuse me, but I was just wondering, would this happen to be the great evangelist? And the woman said, yes, shh, but he's very old. He's very old. Don't disturb him. And as the woman said to Bonky, shh, a voice said, let him in! Let him in! And that old man got up from his chair, put his hands on Bonky's head, transferred that mantle, and Bonky entered into the supernatural. Wow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Went to Africa. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But he was the first person, I believe, to have one million people in one field at the same time listening to the gospel. What a difference there is between your natural abilities and the supernatural. And this year, I believe that God... Praise the Lord for last year. It's natural increase. It's got to do with us. But this year, it's got to do with him. Him receiving more glory. Amen? More of his power coming through you. You making room in your life for him. Amen? Stand up one moment. Let me get the worship team back up here. I want you to do what Bonky did and make room in your heart for God. The Bible says each heart knows itself and within you you know your own self and make room do a spring clean whatever way you see fit pastor richard you prepare yourself to pray for us the eyes of the lord roam throughout the whole earth to strengthen those who earnestly seek him and father we seek you today we seek you this morning come lord come in this place we seek your supernatural power and increase in our lives and in this church of God. Amen.